Welcome to Startup in Estonia, a podcast where we discuss launching new businesses and the ecosystem needed to nurture great ideas. We talk to the founders of both new and established startups and the benefits they gain setting their businesses up in Estonia through the Startup Visa program. Help your fellow founders to learn more about setting businesses up in Estonia by sharing this podcast. Without further ado, it's time to dive into today's episodes. Here's your host, Joao Ray. So welcome everybody to the third episode of the Startup in Estonia podcast. I'm your host, Joao, and with me today, I'm very glad to have uh, Sten and Martin joining us on the show. So to start off with, maybe give us a little bit about a uh, background about yourselves. Uh, Sten, do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, my name is Sten Damkevi and I'm the Chief Product Officer at the company called Topia. And the Estonian connection there is that I'm an Estonian born and raised, uh, have studied a few companies here. The most recent one was called Teleport uh, that Topia acquired last year. And as a result, now we've gone from a sort of a seed stage startup overnight into a Series C tech company, uh, where where we have two major R and D centers around the world. One of them is is here, and the other one is in in uh, Bellevue in Washington. So, how many people here? Uh, about twenty five. Right, Martin. Hi, my name is Martin, and. Um my history is, I think, most relevant part is from TransferWise. I started when TransferWise was tiny, had only a handful of people there, grown into roughly a thousand people now. Um, currently, I'm um, uh, on a sabbatical, mostly focusing on uh, uh, helping smaller startups, figuring out what to do, how to grow big, um, what are the kind of the uh, smaller or the tougher times what uh, small startups have at the beginning and uh, how to grow uh, maybe a unicorn in the future. How many people were there in TransferWise by the time that you left? Um, I think something at seven, eight hundred. So it grew from, um, TransferWise was an interesting startup where it got started in like three locations at once. It's at London, Tallinn and Ukraine. Um, every location had a couple of people in when I joined. And uh, when I left, I think it was like ten different countries across the globe. So let's let's talk a little about that. I mean, the the the, the geography, the, the the different locations. Stan, you mentioned Teleport, the the company that you started. Um, tell us a little bit about what was the problem that you were trying to fix or to solve with uh, with Teleport. For that, for context, even to take a step further back, like I spent eight years at Skype, kind of kind of similar with Martin and Transferwise from the very early days to to a larger organization. And one thing that happened there was that the, by the time we had 200 people, we had 10 locations. And so in every managerial role, you had to figure out how do you move people from one place to another? Where do you open up the next office and so forth? And I ended up moving my own family uh, around as well. So I lived in, in Tallinn and in London and Singapore and in the US. Uh, and taking those experiences, I, uh, after Skype, I was trying to figure out where do I invest my next 10 years of my life. And that I figured that human mobility is something that is so utterly broken and, and making it easier for people to move around uh, and figure out where is the best place in the world for them to do whatever they want to do uh, was like a big unsolved problem where software can help. And that's that's why we started Teleport, uh, which uh, in its initial formation uh basically became the search engine where you can figure out where you should be. Um, now, by today, uh, what we do at Topia is that we figure that, that most of the money in this space is still with large corporations who are moving their employees around, either hiring from abroad or sending executives abroad. And so Topia 
covers the entire global mobility suite, sort of the software for HR people and finance people and people managers to, to manage that mobile workforce and understand where the people are, where they should be, press a button, actually make the moves happen. Um, and, and what used to be teleport now is the employee experience in that right. mix. So we're talking, you know, Skype in the early days, lots of offices, lots of locations, globally growing. Uh, TransferWise, you know, perhaps, you know, the two biggest examples of, uh, of big startups in, in Estonia and success cases. Uh, Martin, your experience was also similar to this, that, you know, different locations, different offices. Uh, did, you end the, did you ever end up visiting those offices or working from outside of Estonia? Um, yeah, it's like when you're, uh, when you're growing the company in kind of nine different countries, you essentially live in a plane. Uh, it kind <laughs> of happens. Uh, uh, it's pleasant at the beginning. At the end, maybe not so much. It, it again, depends on the um, situation in the life where you are. But um, I think it's... Uh, um, the companies are... Uh, every company is kind of different. Skype is like one structure. Uh, TransferWise has other structure why they need to have in a different locations. So in TransferWise case, it's... Uh, 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 you have... Every transaction, what happens, has kind of two opposite ends. So when I'm sending money from Europe to UK, then you have two countries already in it. So um, I think it's relatively difficult to kind of build a company for a UK from Estonia. Um, we kind of um, often forget that. So, so in the case of TransferWise, that need came from sort of a market demand that you needed to have a presence there to be able to operate. So I think simply said is that you have to be where your customers are. Right. So I think Estonia in general is transitioning from more about having the IT workforce in Estonia to the um, we can be where the customers are and we're building the companies more globally in that sense. And I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a really good thing actually that we, we are able to do that and we can still have the big offices in Estonia. In transfer risk case, uh, Tallinn is still by far the biggest office. And, and with Skype, what was sort of, you know, the, the momentum to build or to open offices outside of Estonia? It, we're talking of, you know, maybe 15, 10 years ago, yeah? Yeah, the 15 years ago this year. Um, so there are, I think there are the, you can think of it as far as outputs and inputs from the company or to the company. So the output part, I, I agree with, with, with the, the transfers model, you have to be where users are. The same with Skype, if you have customers in 200 countries, then kind of you need to know them culturally in a way um, and be close to them. But there's also the input part, the access to talent. And I think the thing that happened with Skype was that uh, uh, building the tools that we did, like building ways for people to communicate for free with each other, we chose to ignore uh, location as a constraint when attracting talent. Like if we really found some guy who was the best in the world about some building some video codec, like we didn't care where that person was and we, we sort of adopted the organization around that or either either invited them to join some of the existing offices or let them work remotely and whatnot, which which was a little bit crazy in early 2000s. It's more commonplace today to have distributed teams and so forth. Um, I think the way to think about it is that, um, but let's take the US, let's take Silicon Valley, for example. Like you, you can think of Silicon Valley as the utter sort of sort of centrifuge where the best talent in the world is and get carried away with that. But if you zoom out and you think that the U.S. overall has 5% of the world population. Right. So all of a sudden, if you assume or presume a, a, it's a normal distribution of the most talented engineers in the world, the probability that there are more yeah, than 5% of the world's best engineers in the U.S. Is, is very, very low. And then you, Silicon Valley is just a slice of the U.S. So, so you actually, 
if you decide to build a company in one location and say that we're going to stay here forever and sort of stay constrained in that, you're basically limiting yourself to like less than 5% of the best talent in the world. And we're talking about the, the biggest hub in the world. Right, where, so, where the money is. And I think removing that constraint is why companies are looking abroad for that input of their equation is that where do you get the people who build the best software in our case? So then let's let's expand on that and and think you know Silicon Valley was was a good example but let let's sort of bring it home uh, to Estonia a lot of companies a lot of startups um, you know getting started here a lot of uh, early successes uh, we have a couple of uh, recent examples of uh, companies doing their rounds and you know getting to the unicorn stage um, at what point do they start thinking you know either Estonia is getting too small in terms of finding the talents. Or obviously the market is not here, but that's that comes very very early. Uh, at what point do they say we need to have uh, an office somewhere else? So I think transfer's case was an uh, interesting one in that sense that we didn't always look in the kind of the talent way. We always looked into the kind of how do we do business and. Um, Uh, the, one of the major constraints was that we want to be 24-7 business, means that we need to have different time zones. And it kind of started to make sense in a, like, kind of logic was that, okay, Estonia makes sense because we have the good engineering talent here and also operations and customer support part. Uh, UK is the financial center, but w what's the next part? So US is the big, really big market and, like, it's kind of the big win, but it's also a different time zone. It means that we can cover kind of the operational part uh, more easily. Uh, also, in the same way, moving to the east side when you have Australia, but it's uh, kind of the ridiculous time zone for in Estonian sense uh, if you're covering um, Asia Europe and US then you can have continuous business constantly so But does that mean that if, if for example in the case of TransferWise when you open those offices there that you know the whole operation is replicated in those offices or you focus on let's say IT here product development somewhere else and you know customer support or marketing in, in another office so it's um It would be, uh, I think Estonia is transitioning more from that idea that you have IT here because um, in a startup in a kind of inherently is a bit different structure than uh, I would say the corporate in a way that uh, engineer is also the business guy. You don't have this kind of the business unit usually in a kind of the you have business unit and IT guy who does the things. So essentially when you want to build a good product, you need to have uh, engineers close to your customers means that uh, if you have an engineering center or operational center somewhere, then it's really nice to actually have put the engineers next to it. So you have like direct line into the customer problems and so on. So it's um, it makes sense to look this kind of as a whole, where, where you have an engineering opportunity, when you have an operational opportunity and move it kind of to one unit because they can be on, in one yeah, room together. Yeah. Was that the case with Skype as well? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, you can see very clear generations in the development of Estonian tech sector. Like in the 90s, everybody in tech was in a service company. Like you were building software for hire, you were building websites for other people, like, you, like this, 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 that model. In 2000s, you had companies like Playtech and Skype, and the first time where you had ex Estonian engineers who got the experience of how, what, how is it different to build a product? that you're not building a project from A to B, but you actually run a life cycle and sort of evolve it over time. But obviously, because of that history and re-independence in the early 90s, like there is zero skill set to right. also deal with the marketing of, a, let's say, a SaaS product or, or the PR or the finances and all these things. So the natural structure was that there was this functional split or like what Martin is referring to, the tech was or IT was in Estonia and everything else was elsewhere. I think now we're clearly like this decade has clearly been the one where 
if you look at TransferWise, if you look at uh, TaxiFi, PipeDrive, Pipe like they run product end to end from Estonia, and it's a much more conscious that okay, now we're hitting the wall in scale. Now we we need a team to be close to that customer market. Like I don't know, we conquered Brazil. Let's put somebody in there. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. so that's the kind of thinking now, and and increasingly you have the skill sets available, or Estonia is attractive enough as a as a job destination for people in other disciplines to move here and work here as well. So what's so in that sense, you know, making Estonia attractive to other people to to come here. Uh, what do you see in terms of the the startups that are scaling? Um, what's the bottleneck? What's what what are the the things that uh, are missing from the talent pool here that would make sense to to attract people to come? So I think there is still the usual suspects. You need really strong engineers who are able to work in um, uh, chaotic environments or like less defined environments um, and open to the new ideas. Um, but I think kind of the generation view comes here when in, um, in 2000s you had like mostly engineers. Today we think about, so how do we get product people? So when I, um, when I started hiring product for a transfer waste, then, um, I couldn't find any. There just wasn't any product people, and like uh, the defi definition can be pretty bad in a way. Is that like you have a big corporations who say that this is a product person, but it's not actually like in a startup sense a product. It's more about a business unit who doesn't know anything about tech or how the stuff is actually built. So um, today uh, I see the transfer has a really strong presence, but also others. Uh, PipeDrive has really strong product presence. Uh, user experience uh, points come in. Taxify is making a really strong effort right now to build up the product part. So it's uh, probably going like like step by step. So I still see that. Um, I don't know how to hire a CFO, for example, in Estonia. Um, maybe in some uh, some companies you can. For a financial company, in a big scaling financial company, probably you can't. Uh, we we struggle quite a bit with that. Um, but it's probably next steps. So the like really strong marketing guys, finance guys, and so on. So what about you? What do you think? Uh, you know, what what what's the bottleneck for the sort of pre unicorn stage companies? Is it is it access to funding, for example? Is it uh, you know the B two B skills SaaS Sort of, uh... I think we. I, I think that's another one where we've, we've crossed some breach, which which didn't exist even ten years ago. Is the is it used to be that smart people around the world who ended up working in Estonia, they found a company first. Like like they they were looking for a job at Skype and and they found one and then they discovered that oh by the way this is available only in Tallinn Estonia and then they said okay let let me check into that and they ended up here, and it was like completely like this global brand driven thing. Today, I think we're seeing more people who have heard of Estonia because of e-residency or some other thing that is going on, or just the sort of the all this ongoing news about so many sort of startups per capita and all that. So they might look at the country first. For example, if they're looking from India to move to Europe, they think that, okay, I've heard that there are startups in London, Berlin, and Tallinn. Let's look at those and they discover actually the cost of living. So they kind of research the country first, which I think is a relatively new thing. New thing. Mm -hmm. No, it is, definitely. Yeah, I, it I, is yeah. I have a strong example when uh, I think five years ago I tried to hire some VP position and uh, I told them it's uh, in Tallinn, Estonia. And like after long convincing, I managed to convince the guy that, yeah, it's like, come here, take a look at what's going on. And he came back like two days later and said, "Like, oh, my wife said, like, hell no, <laughs> no, Estonia, definitely not. Too cold. But uh, like now, I, I like people are relatively open. It's like I don't know, is it a branding or is it a recognition or whatnot? Whatever has happened is that people are like, oh yeah, it kind of it makes sense already. Uh, there's 
um, interesting jobs to be to be done here. Uh, there are interesting startups, uh, interesting challenges. Uh, the money is actually getting really good already, and so on. So, and also, also, I think the. There are th- macro things elsewhere that, 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 that impact that. There was like a distinct wave in 2008, 2009, uh, with the financial crisis in Southern Europe, all of a sudden you graduate in Spain or Italy with a technical degree and you don't have local jobs. So I think there was like yeah. a distinct, like people actually actively looking at what's happening in Northern Europe. And the, like part of that belt differently, definitely is like Estonian jobs show up as well. The other uh, thing I think, which is a cultural one, is in the, in, in the old Europe, like uh, I've, I've heard a number of stories where somebody in Germany, for example, graduate school, their prospect is that they go work wherever they're all the classmates work, I don't know, uh, software part of BMW, and maybe in 10 years they are trusted with a team of four to run, where they could come to a place which has a very low power distance, very flat organizations, very agile sort of startup teams, and sort of if they're good at what they do, they can raise very quickly to a much more power, empowered role and sort of satisfy sort of their, their like make more of their potential really. Definitely. And, and that's something that, uh, that especially in, in older startup scenes in older countries, uh, where there is a much more established, structured, rigid business environment around them, I, I think we, we don't, we have much less of those cultural constraints around. Definitely. My, my own experience coming from Portugal was that, uh, you know, whenever uh, graduating, whenever someone would have an idea to start something, people would tell you, oh, but why would you bother? You know, someone has already tried and they failed, you know, don't do that. And then I came here to Estonia and the mindset was very much, if you had something to try, I said, go ahead, try it, see, see if it works. Uh, so the, the, the mindset also from the people around you was very supportive to this uh, starting things and, and, and getting new ideas off, off the ground. You had lucky lucky people around you. It's like I, I wouldn't say that's everywhere like super supportive in that sense. No, like, there's still a lot of skeptical. I think Estonians inherently are skeptical of those things. But, <laughs> but definitely more open to it. You know, more yeah, open to, to trying and, and getting you know starting something than uh, than telling you that uh, you know someone has already done it. Why would you Why would you bother? Although I'll be honest, I think that that perspective is maybe changing a little bit more in this last two years. I, I really love actually the skeptical point of view because um, you can see this, um, um, I would say it's less of the bullshit, it's kind of the spectra when you see from Ukraine, Tallinn, uh, or Ukraine, Estonia, London, New York, uh, Silicon Valley, where uh, the more west you go in that spectrum, you see that people have a lot, lot more skills to sell stuff and uh, sell themselves uh, and uh, often you when you speak to Estonian then they they tell like kind of the pragmatic things what they have done in their life or so and like it's really hard to understand who they are and like how strong they are um, but on the other hand when you're speaking to people from uh, who, who have experience of selling stuff then it's really hard to figure out what is true and what's not actually yeah, yeah, so what's the real how, how much is inflated yeah. and how much it's for listening to the Startup in Estonia podcast. We're going to get back to the show shortly, but before that, here's a quick message. The Estonian startup visa is meant for non-EU startup founders who wish to be part of one of the smallest but liveliest startup communities in Europe as a founder. Under the startup visa program, a startup is defined as a business with the goal to develop and launch an innovative and repeatable business model with great global growth potential, which also contributes significantly to the development of the business environment in Estonia. 
The program allows you to take advantage of one of the world's best business environments and a buzzing startup scene. To learn more about the program, please visit www.startupestonia.ee slash visa. And now, let's get back to the show. Uh, so, so taking taking the the, the conversation towards the uh, uh, you know attracting people to come here. Uh, you were giving the example of someone maybe five years ago who would uh, who was kind of hard to convince to to get here. Uh, Send probably in in Skype and also in, in teleport. You had I think in teleport you had diverse teams. Getting people to come here wasn't so much of a of an issue. But what were the arguments that you were using back then? to get people to come to, to Estonia? And like, what would you say to people right now who might be thinking of Estonia as a destination? I have been always thinking uh, this from the kind of company point of view. It's not so much about like come to Estonia to live here, but it's more about we have a couple of awesome challenges here and come and join us and like let's try to figure it out. And kind of startup world gives you the opportunity to solve these challenges in whatever part you are. So for example, TaxiFay is challenging Uber from Estonia, uh, and but they're not doing Estonian work. They're doing like like a lot of Europe part and like the rest of the world. Yeah. It's a global global part. So, It, I think it matters less and less where you build this global startup. Um, uh, me, like I'm Estonian born and raised, I will definitely say that Estonia is awesome places. It's smaller, uh, things move fast, you have some cultural uh, cultural benefits here. Uh, but I think like we have getting into the kind of stage where you have, um, it's ridiculous amount of money, for example, in the market right now. If you want to build a startup, it's uh, there's so many kind of the successful people who want to help the other people to build a startup. Um, there's quite a, quite a bit of the knowledge, and I think that kind of the size of Estonia has a massive benefit of accessing that knowledge because when you're coming to the scene, then everybody is uh, relatively close to you, and you can ask help or what whatnot there. So it's kind of the Uh, so I'm thinking that if startups is all about how fast or what's the speed of the company you can scale, then Estonia's size is actually helping that speed into the mm-hmm. kind of the mm-hmm. supercharged way. I think weirdly enough, the Estonian thing would be to to open the conversation by apologizing for the bad weather, right? <laughs> I think in reality, the more exciting conversations are the ones where you don't even like like you enter a conversation about why somebody should join you, and you you nowhere in that process you even really bring up the location yourself it's kind of like secondary where you can do exciting jobs so the project itself is what attracts yeah, people yeah and let alone you should start apologizing for it i think peter westerbacher from from uh, the other end of talsinki bay area yeah. <laughs> is is like a grandmaster of that like like this is the best place in the world to live why should i bring it up like it's yeah, natural yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> don't even consider it yeah, yeah. And, and, and there is something to it like the 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 sort of um, I agree. The more time I spend here, the more I understand that you know the weather not only is not a factor, and if it is a factor, it's it's a good thing because it, it makes you stay focused. You don't want to. People stay indoors in the winter either drink or code. Like yeah, it's, 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 yeah. you don't want to you don't want to go and you know lazy it out by the pool or by the or by the beach. You know, which is what happens in the summer in the south. And the, and the, again, I think this different people are coming for different things, or they're escaping other things. Like I think that's one clear trend that we've seen in the last few years as well is is uh, when the war started in Ukraine. Like if you really want to take your family to Europe, 
uh, and live a safer life for your children and get good education and all these things, then then like going from Ukraine, it makes sense to go to the sort of European countries where your family actually can get by in Russian language in a food store. <laughs> like there are these logical things. The same with young Russians, like they might not like the regime that is currently in power in Russia and they want to live in an open democratic society and there is one next door where where they can fulfill that. So we've seen a number of really, really good people who, who like have this fantastic open world changing values and they just are living in a place where they 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 are sort of constrained in living that life how many different nationalities did you have working at teleports in in the days teleport in the first 10 people we probably had five u.s germany guatemala denmark a few estonians somebody from france yeah so it's Uh, and uh, teleport was a bit different because we we just l- allowed people to be completely distributed and remote. remote so we only yeah, only yeah. met like once or twice a year with the team. But Martin, in, in transferwise, do you remember how many different nationalities you had in the Estonian office? I'm not hundred percent sure about uh, the exact numbers. Uh, I can say it's so. Uh, it's definitely so. It's um, I think something like 50 or 60 different nationalities. So how was that like? Like, are there benefits to having, you know, people from different backgrounds, different uh, experiences working together in the same office, same location? Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially when you're building a global product. I think it's uh, it's still foolish to think that we understand other cultures. So, um, And if you want to build a global product, then that oh, becomes yeah, that... very relevant very quickly. Yeah. So um, I, I saw, I think a couple of years ago, when uh, kind of startups figured that out and kind of start vacuuming all the foreigners from like everybody who is in the market like bring them in because it's a kind of easy access to the local uh, foreign knowledge um, but it also um, I think kind of the, from the business uh, like company point of view it makes the company more healthy yeah. um, like I have this concept where I have been in a couple of companies where you have um, uh, like most of the people in the company are totally new like they're new in the company maybe new in a country and so on Um, these people are often um, more open-minded, uh, uh, more willing to go into kind of the uh, unclear paths. What like the uh, the world we can like in a startup world you have to go, um, and this is uh, kind of the faster-moving, uh, friendlier, uh, better place to be. So it's um, kind of mixing it up, and you see that you're like getting used to like all the. All the different views, attitudes, behaviors. You're gonna start learning, and you'll be more empathic about like what other people think. You you mentioned it very well that you know in the beginning, I, I think a few years ago, uh, Estonia is obviously a small country, 1.3, 1.4 million. And in the beginning, the startups started to vacuum all of these foreigners that were here, you know, with the experience working maybe in some corporations or some other companies, and vacuuming those in. Nowadays, maybe that talent pool is exhausted, so they start to look abroad and bring people uh, bring people here you did a, a study recently on the you know the different startups in Estonia and the distribution among uh, uh, you know foreigners and and, uh, and, and Estonians uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, about your research so yeah um, it's pretty interesting to see that when you take the bigger startups and I heard that the Skype had a similar pattern mm. uh, relatively long time ago in that sense um, that you have 30 plus percent of the people in the Tallinn office are not born and raised in Estonia. Right. So it's 
pretty big percentage if you start to think about it or comparing to the national uh, averages and uh, kind of the half or third of these people are uh, coming into the country for that company. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you see that in France, in Germany, in other countries. You might see it in Silicon Valley or, you know, immigration type countries, but not, not in Western Europe. But it's also kind of the size uh, what plays yeah. the role here, because uh, like Sten mentioned before, we didn't have these roles and we need to import these roles into the interest and convince people to come in, come in here. And as more and more people came in, we have a better climate for foreigners, because you want to come into the company or the country where you can speak your own language or uh, at least get through uh, with English, um, you want to have uh, you ha- have this kind of critical mass of the people and the similar thinkers and this kind of the open environment. So I think it's um, we are still moving in a kind of accelerated pace and I'm already seeing that even kind of the old older or traditional companies are importing engineers still but uh, but you can see that they're more open about kind of the English language worker in that mm-hmm. sense mm-hmm. especially if you're building this global product and and it's even simple things like I remember again like starting to feel like an old man referring to ancient <laughs> history but there was like an early year where I, some organization in Estonia had the competition at the most international uh, workplace in okay. Estonia and Skype won it because we had like 24 or 26 nationalities at the time the place number two was some warehouse company which had six nationalities. Okay, so Estonian, <laughs> Estonian, Russian, Ukrainian, Belarusian. <laughs> like, and then I think next year Tartu University participated. They they had a lot of foreign uh, Research. researchers, and so so it was actually better than it would look from the first year. Now um, this uh, uh, the last seven hires we made in the last month. Uh, I actually looked at the list of people that we extended offers, and I couldn't guess the country from their names. Like, uh, so the, the joiners to date, we have an American who was actually already in Tallinn. Uh, we had one local Estonian, uh, Russian. Then um, we had uh, uh, somebody from Uzbekistan who came via Russia. We, I know somebody from Nigeria needs to fly to Egypt to go to the embassy. Like, like there is all this sort of, yeah. and for me, this is a really, really exciting time because I know that like the the culture and the vibrancy and new ideas and what we will have in, in the office in six weeks from now is going to be way different Difference. than it is today. Yeah. So even though we've had an international group already. So, so let's think of you know in the case of transferwise. I think the uh, the headquarters currently is in, in the UK, in UK, in London. Uh, Skype. I think at the time, you know, before the whole thing, the headquarters was in Luxembourg or well we we managed to play it in a way that about six nations felt that Skype was there <laughs> <laughs> and Estonians still claim that yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's fine teleport okay now now Utopia the IT part is uh, is here like the development so Utopia is kind of it started in London it's most of the executive team is in San Francisco so that has become the headquarters um, engineering we've consolidated now in Tallinn and Bellevue we also have some people in Hong Kong Pipe Drives HQ is still here, here New York but and, and you know when when taxify raised their uh, uh, you know the latest round and you know unicorn uh, status uh, people were like oh you know it joins the ranks of another Estonian unicorn but then if you actually looked at where you know the companies are registered it perhaps is the first Estonian uh, unicorn to be completely uh, to be completely here so looking at the trends do we see that in the future? more companies will feel the need to move their headquarters somewhere else because of a lack of access to people or capital? 
Or do we see the opposite, that companies like Taxify and others will continue to stay in Estonia because it's getting easier to attract the talent that they need to be global from Estonia. They don't need to go to London if they want to be global. They don't need to go... Uh, and when I say go, I don't mean like having a presence. That, that's fine. But moving the HQ uh, just so that it, on Silicon Valley it looks like, oh, okay, you, you guys are based in, in London. So is Estonia becoming a hub? There's many reasons why, why you have the headquarters in a different country. Um, like in TransRoy's case, you can say also that our two founders are living in London. Uh, so it makes sense to have it there. But also that London is a financial capital uh, of the world. So it, uh, when you want to build uh, the global trusted financial service, uh, London is kind of the must-have place or New York. In this, but London is in Europe place and the biggest market and so on and so on. Um, Taxify's uh, market is closer here, uh, but it's also, um, I think, uh, investors are getting more used to this kind of the idea right, that right. Uh, uh, giving giving money or like uh, wrestling with the regulation of the relatively small country because they're used to, like US investors are used to investing in Delaware companies and they often ask you like to make a corporate flip just to have this kind of easy access to give you the money. And that's From a founder's perspective, fundraising is one of the most stressful things that you, you get involved in and the most annoying things. And fighting for a specific jurisdiction that the investor is not comfortable with is the most irrational thing you can do. So I think the Estonian startup scene and everybody in the economy should really cherish like the fact that Marcus and Martin have bothered with Taxify and, and Carly has with Jobatical and, and uh, Hen has with Fleep. And there are a few people who have raised sort of money from abroad into the Estonian OU structure, which is a pain. <laughs> but because that they have, now I think like it's so much easier because there is like three or four law firms who have advised investors before. They kind of know what the difference is with Delaware and Luxembourg. Like again, like in mid-2000s when Skype was doing it, Nicholas was in Sweden, Janus was in Denmark, uh, founding engineers were in Estonia. Putting the headquarters in Luxembourg was basically the compromise that investors could, American investors especially, could live with. And then there is the regulatory aspect of, I think that's something where Estonia as a state really needs to keep an eye on it. What what are these things that startups need? Like if they, I don't know, if if the local environment is not friendly for cryptocurrencies, then these headquarters will definitely go elsewhere. Like Like this sort of overall... How do you limit, how do you structure, how do you allow innovation to happen and where do you constrain it? Um, I think that differs by industry a little bit. So again, I think yet another example of this kind of scene maturing, uh, like we had new skill sets coming in. Was, this is also one of the skill sets, essentially. Yeah, yeah the, 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 the support that's available from the... the, yeah, the, the understanding yeah. of the kind of situation there. So if you were to advise someone uh, who's listening to the show and um, you know where to where to move in order to start their company would you consider Estonia to be a, a good place on par with uh, let's say Berlin or uh, or London or any of those startup hubs that are popping up I think it depends heavily what you do it's like when your product is focused on the US market it doesn't make sense to have within Estonia if you have global product uh, what has less uh, kind of need of this uh, um, strong, strong statement of the headquarters. Then, like, I think Estonia is a pretty awesome place to do that. I don't believe that there is the global list, and this is why we started Tapport. I don't fundamentally believe that there is a global list of best cities in the world to do business in, best cities in the world to live in. Like that list is the answer to the question of what do you want to do. And there are so many of those questions where Estonia, I think, is a super high-ranking answer. Like, if you want to get small teams going fast, build things. 
have a easy access for your global like like this startup visa that was initially founded like just a year ago for for attracting foreign founders the side effect of that is that it has made also easier for any estonian based tech company to hire from abroad so our last two indian hires were i sent an email to the general address digitally signed email to the general address of estonian police and said that hey these two guys are coming and i got an answer i sent it on thursday i got an answer on monday that that's fine nowhere in the world especially in the us for example can you do that like it's and it's it's magical so uh, there are, there are now this uh, funky like i would even say rumors like apparently there is a japanese founders uh, sort of meetup in tallinn where there are only japanese founders speaking there, <laughs> no estonian founder has ever been it's kind of exciting yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and there is uh, i just heard of a french founder whose company is based in tallinn and there's no single estonian working there so so okay. it's like i think it's becoming a challenge that the sort of interesting people interesting ideas flocking to Tallinn that we, we now need to bring them back into community so that they doesn't become the sort of little islands of national subsidies or whatnot yeah and i think this you know the community aspect is also very important the yeah. fact that you can reach people very quickly once you get into the community uh, everyone is accessible um in a way everyone is supportive of uh, you know the the, the ideas and you know where it's where it's headed and uh and and like you said you know uh these these people add to the to the local uh spice of uh, of the environment here and they help to also then promote the ecosystem when when they go back you know i'm pretty sure those japanese guys when they go back to japan they will uh, they will do a good job of promoting uh, estonia as a place to to come all right so thank you very much guys for being on the show and uh look forward to hearing from what you're going to do after the sabbatical and the success of topia thank you thank you